Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach. I'm a lifter. I'm a Highland Games athlete. I run USSF, amongst other things. A lot of charity stuff and things like that. So, Charity's good. <clears throat> hey, we have uh, news of all kinds today. Um, I wanted to touch on two things really quickly, and then I know, Phil, you've got some Olympia news. Strength and muscle sport news. First, Paul sent us an email uh this is something that I've fielded this question a lot in the past, and unfortunately never satisfactorily for me, at least. Uh, it just says, uh, I was just downing a multivitamin and fish oil this morning, and uh, not for the first time, I was contemplating how much of what in those pills actually gets absorbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard anecdotally that it depends on the adhesives used, and you know maybe higher quality brands use less or better binders and thus increasing absorption do you have any thoughts or information on this as always i appreciate the effort that you three put into the show thank you uh well paul i can tell you from the fish oil perspective i can give you a solid answer you're going to absorb almost all of that not well into the mid 90 percent range of that stuff um for the multivitamin multi-minerals though uh i've actually known physicians who just insist that they're all 100% useless, you know, and you can't absorb a single thing out of there. Now, I will say this. Some minerals compete with each other for absorption, but that's usually when you try to take a single mineral in huge amounts. You know, like you you get into zinc-magnesium supplements, and then, oops, you're low in zinc or calcium. You know, so a lot of these divalent or what are called plus two, you know, minerals, they compete for absorption and transport in the body, but it's and that some of that might go on in a multi, but I have seen behind the scenes um, synthetic um, mechanical, I guess, digestive tracts where they actually look at how much gets dissolved here and there. And I mean, obviously, you're not pooping out the pill, you know. So mm-hmm. anything that by the time it leaves your stomach, it's liquid. Uh, that's just how your digestive tract works. You know, that hydrochloric acid in your stomach and all that churning, your very muscular stomach, that things, by the time they go through the pyloric sphincter down into the duodenum and the intestines, they're they're liquid. So I've got to think that you're absorbing a reasonable amount. Uh, and, and also because, let's face it, how much scurvy or beriberi or pellagra do you see in the United States? You really don't, you know, unless someone's starving themselves purposely so I think that the vitamins are offering something. Uh, I would love to see a broad review that just feeds people a bunch of different vitamins and then simultaneously, you know, just takes like half a dozen blood samples every 10 minutes and just mm-hmm. watch everything go up. We hope there's the vitamin C. Oh, you know, there's this, there's that. I would love to see something like that. And I've never seen anything like that. And that's why I say, the answer is unsatisfactory. But for the fish oils, because that's just uh, fat, that gets absorbed. And I can tell you, unless you 
over-concentrate it, you know, in tiny amounts of water. Creatine will be absorbed. There's a lot of things that do get in. But the funny thing is these things that we know are bioavailable, uh, like vitamins, of course, because we run on them. They're essential. We have to have them for our physiology to work. Um, I'm not sure how much that gets depressed when you put it all together in one big pill. Uh, I take a multi that I just get from Sam's Club, frankly, a multivitamin, multimineral. Uh, I do not have iron in it. I don't think men need lots of extra iron if you're a meat eater especially. So I tend to get the silver, you know, like Centrum Silver off-brand kind of thing. So that's all I can say about that. I wish I had better info for you, but I do think um, the vitamins that are snuck in the food supply and, yes, even in the supplement pills, they must get in on some level. And I don't know. Phil, do you take a multi? I try to. Um, and like you, I just I get a the, the generic. I get whatever I can get at Walgreens, mm-hmm. just a multivitamin. And I really see that thing as insurance policy. Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's if you're taking it because you eat like crap, you got problems. So I mean, it's just one of those things where you're covering your bases, type of thing. Right. Right on. It can't hurt. I mean, it's not going to hurt me to take it. So even if I poop it all out, well, know? and even your pocketbook. I mean, let's say you yeah. take a a multi. Uh, a couple of times a week. And this isn't the kind of thing if you miss a day, oh, my God, I missed a day. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, whether it's the fish oils in this question or the vitamins and minerals, doesn't matter. You know, yeah. most days of the week. And, yeah, I mean, you might be out a few cents a day. But, yeah, again, if it's, that's your insurance policy, that's mm-hmm. how insurance policies work. You pay whether you kind of need it right now or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, I got one other one, and I feel ripped off with this one before we get to Olympia. This is also a little bit of nutritiony stuff, but it's relevant to lifters. This is from Vox. It's an online publication. I don't know if it's a paper copy too, but Joseph Stromberg wrote this. And like I said, I feel ripped off, but cause I've been doing this for years. My brother and I have done this since we were undergrads and that was mm, late eighties. <laughs> um, scientists agree. Coffee naps are better than coffee or naps alone. So it says if you're feeling sleepy and you want to wake yourself up and you have 20 minutes to spare, you might want to try this coffee nap concept. So the idea is when you're tired, you could either have a cup of coffee or you could take a nap. And the idea here is that you slam the cup of coffee and then you take a power nap. Uh, and by the time the coffee you know, gets through, absorbed through your intestines and your blood and into your brain you know, and all that, um, by the time it kicks in, you could be 15 or 20 minutes into a nap, and then, boink, you wake up with your eyes wide open. You know, and uh, I remember talking to Chris Shugart about this years ago. I would even do this in the morning. If I ever did pre-breakfast, like, uphill walks, you know, when I'm getting trying to get lean for a competition or something, I would always do that. You know, I'd, I'd do it with half a caffeine pill. There's no time to sip coffee, you know, so I'd r- set the alarm about 15 minutes earlier than normal, 20, um, bite a caffeine pill in half. Uh, and you know, some people need a whole one, whatever. And then hit the snooze, you know, and 15, 20 minutes later when it's time for you to get up and get on the treadmill, you're not dragging butt at all, you know, because it's you're snoozing while it gets absorbed and you're up and ready to rock. So, like I said, I've been doing this for about 20 years or more. It says um, – uh, just a little bit of how this works. It says once it gets absorbed through your intestines into your blood and gets into the brain, it says it fits into uh, receptors – uh, that are normally filled by a similarly shaped molecule called adenosine. So caffeine being an adenosine antagonist. Uh, it says adenosine is the byproduct of brain activity, and when it accumulates at high enough levels, you know, you feel tired. Um, that is unless caffeine is 
competing for those receptors, you know. Anyway, so um, one thing that I thought was neat about this, it says experiments show coffee naps are, in fact, better than coffee or naps alone. Um, there was a study done in Britain, as I page through here. Um, study done in the UK found that tired participants, when they took 15-minute coffee nap, uh, they went on to commit fewer errors in a driving simulator than when they were given only coffee or only took a nap. So that's interesting. And then another one says they um, there was a study done, let's see, they denied 24 young men uh, proper sleep over a 24-hour period. Uh, some got a placebo, but 12 others uh, who had caffeine before their nap and not just a placebo in a nap uh, managed scores that were basically at baseline, you know, almost as if they had not been sleep deprived. So both of these studies suggesting that uh, the coffee and the nap is the double whammy. And they, they go on to say, well, how do you do this? Well, again, this is sort of a no brainer. But if you're going to drink coffee, like he's saying, you better slam it pretty fast. You know, maybe uh, you go with the espresso route or something or, or uh, iced coffee. I don't know. Like I said, we always just did the caffeine pill kind of thing. But and then it says right after you're finished, try to immediately go to sleep. And then don't sleep too long because, of course, if you try to sleep more than about 20 minutes, you'll start going into deep sleep uh, and screw things up. So, yeah, I can, like I said, feel a little ripped off, but I can attest <laughs> from personal experience and a lot of my my, my family, my, the lifters around me, um, caffeine naps work anyway. So it's just a fun little trick, I guess, you know. So yeah. That's all uh. I have. At the Olympia, I got several things from the Olympia. The first one, I'm going to start off away from bodybuilding, I guess. Um, a neat thing happening in, in Strongman. Um, Mark Bevins decided he'd enter the Masters division as both lightweight and heavyweight, which means he had to do both events back-to-back. -back. So let's say they had a deadlift or a medley. He had to do the lightweight medley, then the heavyweight medley. Um, hmm. They took first as the lightweight champion and third as heavyweight. So even though he had to do back-to-back, -back, so that's pretty pretty impressive. Um, Wait, now how does one do that? I thought you had to fit within the weight class. Well, I mean, in a lot of things, if you're – as long as you're under, then you fit as a heavyweight. You know, heavyweight is usually – as long as you're, you know, lightweight, you can't be over. You know, you can't be over a weight class. Okay, so it's just a ceiling. But, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, no, nobody over 231 can be a lightweight. So gotcha. if you want to you know, compete against 350-pound dudes as a – 200 pound guy sure come on and he try did. it you know <laughs> so apparently they allow that in in strongman in powerlifting you don't you know if, you, if you're under you're under and you're going to be in your weight class but uh okay mm -hmm. um like you can't go down like an olympic weightlifting too you couldn't you know let's say my wife is a, a 65k lifter and she knows that there's a strong competition in this competition is 65k she can't go 65 plus to go against weaker competition Right, you know, just to just to do it. So you have to actually weigh in as that. But he, yeah, he he did it as both, which is pretty impressive. That's so gutsy. Did, yeah, nice. Yeah, he did everything twice. So um, I couldn't imagine doing like a, a max deadlift, axle deadlift for reps, and then have to rest a short amount of time. And, Phil, okay, you got to do it again. Now you got to do it heavier. Do you so, know? Right, right. Do you so, know if his lifts were better the second time around? Maybe he was potentiated a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know he was from the, the deadlifts and things like that. I mean, he he took it to the limit. So, I mean, like to where he couldn't stand up after and then had to rest and come back and do it again. So, 
You know, there's always that. Um, um, I'm talking about potentiation, you know, lingering, like nervous yeah. system excitement. But there's always that trade off between that and fatigue. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, yeah, hmm. exactly. Well, I know. I mean, as far as myself, anytime I've done like a max effort deadlift type thing for reps or singles, it's I'm trashed. I'm just done yeah. <laughs> afterwards. Like you, you put 200 pounds less on the bar, and I try and go pick it up. It's like, nope, not happening. I'm cooked. Yeah, you so, know, it's almost like imagine a dragster. You know, you run it hard, and then they have to t- fiddle with the engines of those things for days. Yeah. I think, but it's not you're like you're going to turn around and do it again. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. So, um, no, that's pretty impressive. And then uh, they had the. Um, press conference before and this is what everybody's talking about as far as bodybuilding goes and so they went and interviewed everybody that's on the stage and uh of course they got into it you know started talking to phil heath and because he's what three times in a row or four times in a row now Mm -hmm. um and kai green and him just start trash talking each other big time um and they you know they're just going back and forth and the announcer's like well tell him phil he's like you know is it is it really trash talk when you're saying facts? Because Phil's saying things like, you've never taken one point from me on the stage and stuff like that, and I beat you. And so they ask, they ask Kai Green to, to say some, you know, give us three facts of why you're going to win. And he was like, the back, the front, and the sides. Oh, boy. And, <laughs> and he's like, he's got nothing on me. And they, so they go to Phil and ask him what, uh, give three facts. He says 2011, 2012, 2013. So Ouch. it was, yeah, it was like, yeah. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. But, uh, yeah, so they got into it pretty good. So people are all excited about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, they're both huge guys, but it's good and, to have some competition back yeah, in the days. It was, you know what it was like? It was almost impossible to knock off like the Lee Haney or the Dorian Yates. You know what I mean? And you actually like to see something a little closer, I guess. Yeah. And it, I don't know. It reminded me, it all seemed, they spoke intelligently doing it. You know, they didn't, yeah, it was trash talking, but they didn't sound like idiots <laughs> and, uh, which yeah. was good. And it reminded me a lot of like what Arnold was doing in, uh, you know, pumping iron with Lou, just lighthearted trash talking to get into his head. Like, Oh yeah, you'll win next year. You're just, you're, you're 10 weeks out you know, right. <laughs> from looking right. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. But no, interesting stuff there. And, uh, um, I don't know. It looks like the Olympia is really making a push to be big. It, like, and they've been doing it for several years. You know that you've been to a few of them and you know, they started and they added like the grappling and the powerlifting and now they've got almost as much going on as the Arnold. Why? Well, exactly. Um, I think that's the point, right? It, they were at serious risk of being eclipsed by the Arnold yes. classic as the premier fitness event, bodybuilding event, yep. you know, and now they've got, you know, they got the strongman, they got powerlifting, they got CrossFit, they got Sambo, they got Taekwondo, they got wrestling. Um, so they're pushing that back along. So it, it'll be interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to go another here in a year or two just to see how it's changed. Because I remember the first one I went to, it was, it was just an expo and bodybuilding. Right. You know, <laughs> there wasn't anything else. No, right. Except yeah. for you'd get the, you'd have the occasional thing like uh, Kaz was there doing exhibitions and things like that. But there wasn't an actual competition. There was stuff going on at the booths, which was all centered around making money. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, even of- at the Arnold uh, back <laughs> The first time I went, uh, you know, that was sort of the Sean Ray, Rich Gaspari era kind of mm-hmm. thing. And um, the expo, the, all they had at the Arnold was in the basement of the Veterans Memorial there. There was um, a handful of booths. You know, yeah. usually it was just the bodybuilders standing around selling T-shirts and stuff. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it, it, nothing like it is now. And I can only imagine, yeah, the Olympia, uh, because you're right. I haven't been to the Olympia since it's become some giant um, 
combo weekend thing either. Yeah. You know. See, I went, when did I go? Four, three or four years ago is the last one I went to. And it was, it was getting big. You know, they had the strong man and powerlifting and then some kids grappling. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those two go. And I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to see some. I was almost liked the bodybuilding, the, the little thing they got into. It, it added some. It was almost exciting. Right. You know? <laughs> a little flavor. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's, it, you know, bodybuilding, it's a dying sport. But, uh, but you know what, too? Yeah, it's also so. fun, like you said, to actually get some halfway intelligent exchange there instead of something just. <sighs> yeah, you know. there's something besides. You know, you can pick a side then. You got something to root for instead of, wow, they're all huge. You know? Yeah. So you've got some, some intellect behind it or something. It's like, oh, I like that guy. Well, you know, the, I like what he's saying, this and that. And but, I think that's why, I mean, I agree that bodybuilding is not in its golden era anymore. And I think part of the reason is, yeah, that like you were saying, if you look over history, the guys are just so huge. You really run into this cookie cutter. Like you smack 270 plus pounds of mass on a 5'10 dude um, uh -huh. with no body fat. And everybody starts looking very similar. Their waists are thick, you know, like we were saying before we hit record. They're, um, there's almost no weaknesses, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because everything is just has so many pounds. It's like slapping Christmas hams on every body part, you know? You yeah. just – they tend to look very similar, unfortunately, I think. Uh, but maybe that's just me being a curmudgeon. Yeah. So. so. No, I think that's about it. That's about all I got from that, but – uh Okay. Sounds uh, like a fun weekend, but yeah, and we'll we'll have to report on that too. I'd love to get Rob's feedback on that because he covered events like that for you know a hundred years, <laughs> so mm -hmm. like, it's always fun to hear what he has to say because he still loves the the drama and the behind the scenes, you know, mm -hmm. uh, of bodybuilding. Whereas I don't keep up on that as much as I once did. I yeah, know. Rob still frequents the message boards and right, stuff. So. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's um. Let's go to the break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, favorite lifting techniques or maybe favorite lifting techniques lately. Uh, and Phil will offer some insights on powerlifting. I'll talk about mass gains and, and hypertrophy training and stuff like that. So we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press and Protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69. US So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. 
Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, we are back. Uh, it's Phil and Lonnie, and we're going to tackle the topic of the day, which is favorite lifting techniques, or at least lately. Uh, I know I have some favorites on the hypertrophy side, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe Phil can give us some tips um, just you know, on the powerlifting side of things. Uh, you know, maybe beyond just correcting mistakes, but, you know, what what do you personally really enjoy, you know, when it comes to lifting? So just to get the ball rolling, I'll offer something. One of the things that I've had to almost pry myself away from because I like it so much is um, the use of negatives, you know, eccentric. Mm-hmm. They're just so good for hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. And the more I learned about the science and satellite cells and how they activated hypertrophy <clears> – <throat> It just reinforced it, you know, because mm-hmm. I always loved that. I mean, I like that sensation of being really sore. I've studied muscle soreness and eccentric trauma for micro trauma, that is, mm-hmm. um, since my grad school days, you know, and I just I love to do that. I'm, it's very satisfying. It sounds masochistic, but I really like when my legs are so sore, <laughs> I use the handrail, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And um, some things are going to lend themselves to eccentric uh, you know, slow lowering breaking contractions. And mm-hmm. for people who don't know, um, obviously you do feel, but that's, what's making you so rocked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the concentric part of the lift, which is why some kinds of, like I've heard some Olymp- Olympic lifters, they purposely try to avoid the yes. eccentric, because that way they can keep the volume very high and not get sore and have long recovery times. Yeah. And that's a lot of the reason why they can train three and four times a day, five to six days a week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So. so you watch somebody in the back room. He's not being rude when he punches that up over his head and he just steps back and lets it fall. You know, yep. he's trying not to lower it slowly and get all mm-hmm. sore. And for hypertrophy, it's great, though. Yeah. Um, but it really lends itself to um, low frequency training, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I'm trying to shy away from it a little bit lately, because the, the recovery time frames, I mean, I've measured it out to five days, literally 120 hours. And there's still certain things that aren't completely reset in your body, believe it or mm-hmm. not. And I know that that's actually similar in some ways to powerlifting. You know, you guys do the low frequency stuff too because you do such a heavy lift. You're just too brutalized. It might not be the same kind of stinging soreness that you're you end up with. You know, because you're mm-hmm. not purposely trashing a, a muscle, but um, it does sort of remind me the same thing. Both of these, it brutalizing yourself either with the super heavy weight or the lots of negatives. Mm-hmm. And then you, you almost can't do it more than once a week. Yeah. You know, but so, yeah. uh, how about you? What do you like? 
I don't know. The first one that would come to my mind that I probably have to deal with the most is, you know, I'm talking about athletic populations, be it power athletes or, you know, field athletes or whatnot, is um, teaching them how to move quickly. And you'd be amazed at how many people just, it's like you lose that skill or you never gained it. Um, so I, I, I like training people that. It's, um, you know, tight slow eccentrics and then an explosive concentric um it just pe- teaching a person how to be powerful again um so uh is a big one for me um because a lot of people just don't know like i'll put 95 pounds on the bar for somebody and they'll use 96 pounds of pressure to stand up with it and it's teaching them that, no don't give that we're going to get more bang for the buck out of you know smash that thing and it's just teaching. I, I'm a firm believer in, in with all my athletes, and to don't just own the weight, don't just lift it. You know, it, it builds up your mental, you know, toughness and everything else. I mean, if you, if you're coming up on max day and you ju- you're just owning your warm ups, it's it's a big it's a big mental boost. You know, I think a um, lot of exercise physiology students. That's something that's hard for me to explain to them sometimes, like in a strength conditioning course or whatever. Mm-hmm. That you can have maximal effort light load mm-hmm. you know you're you got 30 to 50 yeah. percent of your max on the bar but it's a maximal effort yeah. it doesn't mean easy you know and that's yeah and i'm not a big huge advocate of all the toys and bells and whistles bands chains yada yada i mean i'll use them but that is one place i use them um it's it's for two reasons we can go quick against like squats with bands and it also teaches people how to fight. That's the two things I use those for. And that's the two things that I find the most in somebody that comes to me that wants to become a, an, a power athlete is they don't know how to move fast and they really don't know what fighting is. Um, they give up before they should. And, you know, using a heavy band tension, it's it just even with lightweight, it teaches you I got to fight through this whole motion because there is no momentum now. You know, mm-hmm. It's not going to get easier. It's going to do nothing but get harder as I come up. Mm-hmm. So it teaches them how to fight through that. That'd be probably the first. Th- those two, I guess, is two things. Would be the first uh, first things I deal with a lot. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me. So yeah, uh, another one for me is um, actually. You know what? Let me back up for a minute. Lately, I have been looking at the stretch reflex very specifically because I want to see how caffeine affects it because caffeine Mm. will kick up hormones like epinephrine and dopamine and whatnot when you drink a cup of coffee and bathing that sort of spinal circuit you know that just goes from the muscle to the spine and back uh, bathing that in stimulant compounds it just looks very interesting to me but so the whole idea here is maybe just maybe we can get more bang for the buck uh, out of our coffee or caffeine by purposely doing it on days where there's that prior stretch you know that like mm-hmm. that stretch and go you know and yeah. um, activate what are called intrafusal fibers in the muscle those little sensors proprioceptors um, and anyway so I think what you're it's sort of what you're saying there I'm just thinking how nutritionally how maybe I can augment a little bit of that you know what I mean as you're playing with some of these different aspects because it's really hard to explain to somebody who doesn't lift like um sticking points and where they happen to different people or like you said mm-hmm. fight um mm-hmm. instead of just explode and and let it coast through the lockout you mm-hmm. know and that sort of thing well what if what if you can't get enough velocity in the early part of the lift to coast through the lockout mm-hmm. you better learn how to fight yeah. you know so all this stuff I, i'm very interested in the neuromuscular um tweaks that you can do and i'll tell you one thing i've been doing lately this is similar but uh 
because I've been reading not just about the stretch reflex, but about potentiation. You know, I, I alluded to this mm-hmm. earlier, but if you do a fairly heavy lift, like an 80, 85 percent load, your nervous system is going to be primed for the next period of time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what that number is. I've re- seen research all the way from four to 40 minutes, but believe it or not. But just like we said, there's this balance between um, potentiation, you know, an, an excited nervous system and fatigue. Mm-hmm. Like if you tr- if you lift too hard in that priming 85 percent lift, you're just going to get tired, you know. So yeah. I've actually been playing with that a little bit where I, I'm doing a more of a high frequency model lately. I've mentioned before uh, where I do my whole body Monday, Wednesday and Friday, basically. And um as the main event lift in each of those things, I'll prime first, you know, because I'm only doing about four total sets, you know, of squats mm-hmm. before then I go bench and then, you know, go do some rows or some pulls. But the point being is right before um, the big one, I think I'm going to switch and give this a try uh, right before my last set. I'll do that 85 percent one, maybe just for a rep or two. And then. I'm just going to go and go and go until I can't go anymore with the final, like, you know, big event set. Mm -hmm. Uh, So try to specifically uh, toy with my nervous system, you know, potentiate it with the 85% lift just with a Mm -hmm. a rep or two and then go hog wild when I'm potentiated, you know, for that last set of squats. And then what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to try to go from, you know, uh, eight reps to nine to ten. I'm going to try to build volume in that potentiated state. Mm-hmm. You know, but the whole idea is I'm trying to prime the system first, uh, the set right before the potentiating set. I know that's not doing much for my muscles, but the whole point is it's just trying to get that neural excitement so then yeah. I can get maximum performance on the go set yeah. anyway. No, and that's I was going to say that, too. So you stole my next one. But oh. I mean, it's very I, we use a lot of that, too. And a lot of that's based off of if, if people study the Bulgarian model of Olympic weightlifting at all. Um, okay. it's very much based off of, uh, everybody's, everybody always talks about how they're always going to a max, but it's, it's a daily max. So they'll come in and all their stuff will be based off of what can you do this day? So, and they'll literally find that out, um, each day, maybe several times a day. So they'll come in and, okay, we're going to go up to something that's hard. And then from there, now we back down and now we're killing these reps. Okay. You yeah. know, type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so we'll do a lot of that. And then to build off that, I guess, um, I think another important thing that we use a lot is, um, uh, multiple sets. And I use these for several reasons. The the first one is like when we're warming up, let's say I'm working up to a 600 squat and I hit, you know, 135, 225. Um, I hit 315. It's like, ah, that didn't feel right. I'll hit it again. Oh, it still wasn't exactly right, but I'll hit it again. I stay there until, okay, now I'm smashing it how I should be. That's how 315 should feel. So I don't just automatically go. My my sets aren't always one set at 135, one set at 225, one set at 315. If 315 doesn't feel right that day, which, you know, after this many years of it, I know what 315 should feel like. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm staying there until I earn my way up. Okay, now, okay, that's what 315 should feel like. Now I earn my way to go up to 405. Um yeah. So, and, and the other reason we use this is, that, you know, I've seen it a lot of times with my athletes and it's different for everybody. Let's say we're doing five sets of three at 80% or something like that. And they come in, yeah, they hit the first set. It looks okay. The second set, oh, that's a little better. Okay. Third set, they're smashing it. You know, you'll see it's, it's not always that first set where they're smashing it. It, it might be the third or the fourth. Um, and it's finding out that for each athlete. And, you know, if we, 
one single bout of that doesn't, let's say my wife's doing it and she hits one day, it's the fourth set she kills it. Uh, the next time it's the second set, you know, but if, if we consistently come in and I'm starting to notice it's set three or four or five where she's moving right, okay, we need a little bit more warm up, you know, for her mm-hmm. um, is what we start to notice. So you can start making changes for your warm, for your athletes. I have some athletes where it's like me, come, come meet time on deadlift. I'm warm. I'm not getting any warmer. So if I'm if I'm opening at 700, I'm gonna load, you know, 505, 595 on the bar, and that'll be my first warm up. Because I'm not getting any warmer. I'm just gonna burn myself out. Yeah. So I'm just gonna hit two or three singles, and okay, I'm ready to go. I'm warmed up. Let's roll. Other athletes where it's like, okay, we need to take an extended warm up. Right. Because they need it to to get going. So it's finding out that for your individual, and I think the best way to do it is multiple sets, and then start if you have a tendo unit great and i used to do mm-hmm. some stuff with that mm-hmm. and then you can actually see right there okay i'm creating the most force you know the, the bar's moving now but you can kind of eyeball it if you have a coach or you can oh go by yeah field, oh yeah you know? yeah so. what i was going to mention was that it's almost like i've after years of the tradition of watching bodybuilders do sort of a pyramid you know you just go mm-hmm. up 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 and then sometimes they go back down you know mm-hmm. like in weight over like a course of six sets to me there's almost a difference between now uh, between warm up and fire up, mm-hmm. you know, there's the warm up sets which I keep really light. You know, I literally yeah. start with ten reps with the bar, you know, and then yeah. ten reps with one thirty five, and then I say because I don't have a lot of uh, set volume to play with on any given day right now, mm-hmm. I then I do fire up, you know, which yeah. is let's just jump up here, and I know what you're saying too. It's got to feel right, or you're just gonna either you're gonna get hurt or you're just gonna be pissy and frustrated mm-hmm. you know rob used to do that not not set to set like you're saying but i've watched rob like squat and he'll go like this five six seven 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 eight and he won't even start counting you know, he won't even keep clowning upward until it that seven right. felt right yeah yeah you know and i don't just mean because it was a partial rep or a missed yeah. rep sometimes it's like you're frustrated you're like nope not deep enough but you know what i mean or uh whatever yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but sometimes I know what you're saying exactly about it's got to feel – if you're in the groove, you're in the groove, and that's not, that's yes. something you just know. Yeah, you know? and that's really important as far as – and I don't know how to stress it more for, for people that are interested in the lifting sports. Like, it doesn't matter if rep four feels great. You'll never have a rep four. You've got to get real good at making rep one feel good, <laughs> and there's a lot of people that can't. You know, it, for for a lot of people, it's rep two or three that, oh, okay, now, I, you know, they make it little adjustments on the first two yeah, reps, and now point. they're in the groove. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love practicing multiple sets so much. It gives you more practice at that first rep, you know, at the, at the walkout, at the setup, at the getting your feet right, boom. We've got to get perfect at making rep number one great. Um, so that that's where I work with a lot of single, it's not single, but uh, small rep sets, multiple small rep sets. Yeah, um, I really like because you're um, approaching the bar more often, you know, for that. Initial yeah, rep. and it just gives you I mean, in the end, I mean, I would love to do, you know, have somebody do a, a scientific study on it. But let's say, you know, we need to get 15 total reps done at a certain load. Is it really better to do all 15? Or if we break that up and smash them in five sets of three men. Yep. You know, yep. Which is really better. Um I would so, argue what you're doing is better. I, when I used to lift, uh, when I used to work at a mom pod gym, I think I may have mentioned this on the show before, but since I had to be there for eight hours, 
at the yeah. top, I I just put it was just two seventy five. I put two seventy five yeah. on the bar, and I would go in the back room and just punch it up for like two reps. And yeah. I would do that at the top of every hour. Yeah. And if I, that was sixteen reps, so if I were to do sixteen reps in a row, I would not have been as ruined as mm-hmm. I ended up being because every every time I walked up, I was so fresh, you know, yeah. that I just killed it. Yes, and there is a there's a difference there. And and that's not saying I'm not a believer in doing high rep work. I mean, sure, I probably sure. do more high rep work than people think um, for my lifters, especially when we're talking about somebody who's going up a weight class. And then there's a lot of room for that. But I usually I don't do it a lot with the competition lifts, with say deadlifts and squats, and you know a little more with bench. It's just I don't I don't like failing. I, I don't. I don't like getting in that mindset at all. Like, oh, I got crushed by that weight. It's like, no, I want you to kill everything. Um, yeah. When we're working on a competition rep, you know nothing but killing it. You know, that's all you know how to do. And it, it feeds into their mental capacity. It's, you know, the the, the neural system of just killing weights. Um, it, it, it builds up to, to what I've, from what I've seen in, you know, real life it it works from what i know of neuroplasticity you know the way you reprogram your nervous system you keep firing pathways and they become more and more uh structured more stable more permanent and that's kind of what you're saying if yeah you don't want to be forming pathways of failure you want to be forming those motor pathways that create success and i don't just mean psychology i mean all the way down you know your corticospinal tracts and out to the muscle the whole wiring you know yeah yeah teaching success neurally yeah it yep. makes sense and that's where we'll go like if we're doing if it's a lighter day let's say we're working 70 percent on squats and they're doing so many reps you know what i usually do is i what i found works best for me is that first set i'll take the point i really really have to fight for that last rep in good form but i want to push that until i'm fighting and let's say i'm doing 40 reps or something and i hit 12 on the first one, you know, that leaves me, what is that? 28 reps left, mm-hmm. you know? So I'll, I'll then divide that by like, you know, six or five and I'll just break my, the rest of my sets, I'll break up into fives or something. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and now I'm just looking to kill them. You know, I've, I've got all my reps in, I pushed hard on that first set and my legs are all blown up. And <laughs> so, right. And now it's, now it's break that into manageable chunks and let's kill these last sets. So, um, cause I think there is a time and a place and I think some people go overboard on – I think a lot of people go overboard on, okay, I'm a power lifter, so I do ones and threes. You know, it's No, there's a time and a place for, for, for more rep work, but, right. I mean, for your joints and everything else. But, well, I so. think everybody's going to have their favorites, you know, uh, as far as that goes. But I like the idea of the total dose of reps, you know. Yes. Like attack oh, it, go, I... push as far as you can, as deep as you can into that 40. Yes. Yeah. And then break it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, if I could, man, I'd do nothing but singles. I love singles. Mm-hmm. Anything else, I mean, it's, the rest of it's cardio, but I, I don't get strong <laughs> that way. You know, I got to do other stuff. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, what do you got next? Uh, well, my last one, and I mentioned it before, but is the high-frequency stuff. It was just such an interesting thing for me to experience firsthand. Like, most people, when they think of overload, and we did an episode on overload months ago, but they think about more intensity, meaning more mm-hmm. weight, higher percent of your one rep max. But I've been overloading frequency because I, I realized, and I don't know how many of our listeners might be either either if you're middle-aged or you, you're in a 
hypertrophy phase maybe where you just want to add some mm-hmm. size and not go super duper heavy and trash whole body parts. But uh, like I said, three days a week. I'll go in, and it's not a circuit because I've tried circuits before. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to Chad Waterbury uh, once upon a time, and uh, he was a big proponent of sort of doing not wimpy circuit, not like Nautilus mm-hmm. one thing to another, of course, but you know, squat and then go do a, a set of dips and then do a set of chins or something, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but I cannot get my mind into it, so that's yeah. not my favorite it's hard enough for me after years of doing a push pull or a similar type bodybuilding Mm -hmm. splits that i can't i like to have a theme at least and what i so my answer to the circuit would be whole body workouts three times a week uh but i like i said i'll do all four sets of squats then Mm -hmm. i'll 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 do four sets of something like t-bar rows or Mm -hmm. barbell rows or whatever and then i'll do my you know four sets of barbell or dumbbell bench pressing mm-hmm. you know and i really feel that not only has it been good for hypertrophy i mean i have a sport coat after doing this all summer i can't wear anymore and <laughs> that's that's funny for me because you know yeah. i want the science made it sound like i would grow right because yeah. protein synthesis kicks up if you look at some of that work from Stu phillips up there and uh, before him duncan mcdougall and the, a lot of those canadian guys that do this protein synthesis work it's about 24 to 36 hours. Well, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, all right, well, then if I don't lift to the point that I'm so sore I can't get up the stairs, you know, if I mm-hmm. just do four sets, especially being middle-aged, i got to be careful because the recovery times are just a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But protein synthesis is going to peak at 24 to 36, and then I'm, I'm re-stimulating it as soon as, you know, my body has built mm-hmm. as much as it can. And like I said, I, I could never do the circuit thing, but if I do whole body stuff, and then, you know, there's so many ways to tweak that. And I know we've been talking about this past weeks, but maybe I go and I do back first instead of legs, you know, mm-hmm. or um, leg press instead of squat on some days. I know to the power lifters, maybe that's blasphemous, but you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. they're big compound multi-joint movements, you know, core kinds of things. And um, I, I'm having a lot of fun with that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's... I don't know. It's just something I played with in, since um, maybe April. Okay. I'd have to go back and look. But it's been several months, and um, I think it might really be something people, if you're looking for something fresh to do, maybe you just, you're doing this as a conditioning phase before you get into your heavy you know, linear periodization or whatever you like to mm-hmm. do. But I am really liking that. And it's had a toughening effect, like a mental toughening effect, because I used to train legs – yeah. And crawl out of the gym, <laughs> yeah. you know. Now, now I've got to tell my mind, listen, you got to do heavy back now. I mean, yeah. it might only be four or five sets, but you know what I mean. It's still a lot of effort. And then when that's done, I got to go pinch, you yeah. know. So I mean, maybe that sunk into me listening to you talk about, and even Rob a little bit about how full meets and powerlifting are not mm-hmm. the same thing as the single event lifters. Yeah. You know, you've got to refocus and toughen your ass up and go again, you yeah. know, uh, in a different lift. And so I wanted to taste a little bit of that. I, just, I don't think I'm going to do powerlifting probably. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, you get the idea. I think the nice side effect is not just hypertrophy, but there's that mental toughness. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a kid in the back room the other day, and I only had 315 on the bar, and – he was struggling. I think he had like, I don't even think it was 365, but, uh, and he's kind of looking at me smugly. And I'm like, 
I'm just sort of smiling to myself a little bit because I cannot go. I have to force myself not to go any heavier or I yeah. won't be able to do my back work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or my chest work. Um, anyway, so overall, uh, if you can bite the bullet and rotate through, if you can tolerate a non-theme day, you know, it's not accessory day. It's not bench day. It's just whole body. I think the hypertrophy is waiting for you. I really do. Yeah. So, no, and you'll see a lot of that. And it's one thing I've just started really recently was, well, we're seeing all these Russians come up and start to kill the Americans in powerlifting now, <laughs> and like raw powerlifting. So, and I've wanted to for a long time. It, like Boris Shiko has been the powerlifting god over there since the early nineties, mm-hmm. and you know I've always seen these Shiko programs that are. Uh, very popular in the U.S. and this and that. And you look at them and it's like four people out of 2,000 have finished the program. And they're like, it, it's they're just known as these brutal programs. And it's like, man, can that really, how is he getting these people to live through these things? You know, it's like the Shiko squat program, number 29. And uh, the the hard part about it is he's written like 40 books, but they're all in Russian. So, oh. and like, there's nothing that has been translated. So I've been searching for that. And I found a Russian guy who's actually going through. <laughs> That's and, funny, and, Bill. <laughs> uh, I've been talking to some Russian fluent coaches. Um, and so trying to find these guys, like, I want to know for myself. And uh, what I've come down to is that what I figured. And these, these programs that you're seeing in the West are like, at best, very poor translations. And at worst, they're something that somebody slapped Russian and Shiko on for marketing. Um, oh, boy. And a lot of what they do is exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's full body, uh, <clears throat> multiple days a week. And I think where a lot of these programs are missing the boat is it's like he will have a four-month prepara- preparation phase where, you're, yeah, they're going full body, but it's, it's, we're going to take four months to get used to this. you know. And now we're going to have two months where we're really – kicking your butt type of thing and but it's getting used to you know you might come in and squat and now you're going to bench and now you're going to squat again and now you're going to do some assistance work um type of thing so you have to not only do you have to make it through your squats now you got a bench and now hey guess what you get a squat again you know (laughs) after that bit of rest type of thing and it's so i'm trying to read up on this and it's uh Frequency is becoming all the rage right now, and I think it's doable. I think the hard part about it is getting past people's mindset of my reason to train is to trash myself. You know, an ex- an exercise session, I should drag myself out of it. And you can't. If you've got to come back the next day or the day after and do, you know, I just squatted twice in one session, and i got to come back in two days and deadlift. You know, <laughs> you can't trash yourself. So it's, it's this point of uh, getting used to it and also manageable numbers. You know, it's not every session can't be an event. Um, You're looking at very doable numbers and slowly raising those doable numbers up. Like with you, right now, 315 is very doable. What we're looking to do is in three months from now, let's see if we can make 365 feel like what 315 did. Right, yep. You know, and now I know we've gotten better without having to go for something max, you know, and trash ourselves. It is hard. Slowly raise that up. After 20 years, more, 30, you know, of. I, well, I grew up on muscle magazines, trash yeah. this, annihilate that, you know, and then my well, all that love of eccentrics, you know, mm-hmm. and getting really sore, doing lots of negatives and any exercise that would allow it, really. Yeah, I I don't get that sore, so I don't get that sort of positive, that reward system, you know, that, wow, good, nice job. 
you know, but especially, like I said, if, if you're one of these middle-aged lifters, you're right. I'm trying to limit it to four or five sets of each thing, you know? Oh, and yeah. like you're saying, not not to failure. These sets yeah. are not to failure either. You know, the weight is not heroic, and the number of reps isn't necessarily either. But I'll yeah. tell you what. I mean, again, based on all the science, about three sets is going to maximize muscle protein synthesis. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do other movements uh, at other times of the year because, you know, let's face it, like Joey Antonio was saying, you could activate satellite cells, you know, baby muscle cells, wake them up in different parts of the muscle, hit different angles, you know, and, and that sort of thing and mm-hmm. get other kinds of neural changes. But as far as just like muscle belly prime mover protein synthesis, mm-hmm. the research says three sets is better than one, uh, but like five sets is not better than three, you know, yeah. so – um, that's my goal is to sort yeah. of follow that idea, like kick up protein synthesis with more or less the minimum or at least a moderate dose, you know, the, almost yeah. the minimum dose to make it happen and yeah. then get back in there 48 hours later. Yes. You know, and I think, I think you're onto something too, is that what I'm finding is that like I can kick my younger lifters. I can, I can trash them you know, when they can come back with there. And I never believed this when I was, 19 you'd hear the 40 year old people saying god i'm so beat up i'm yes. old and this and that and i never believed it until i got there and then, you know and now i'm there and it's like oh man they weren't lying you know yeah and it's not and, that you're, you're you're not a wuss you're just um you're stiff you know or yeah. like oh you're like damn i'm still sore i'm not ready again and you and you know it you yeah. know and it's the thing is i mean i know i can still do more than most of these 19 year olds can do but it's like man i just don't feel it right it takes me more to get warmed up and i'm finding that you know with my older people it's almost better to hold them back it's like that strength is there you know it's just like me i'm in a phase right now where i'm out of competition phase yeah i gotta i gotta meet i gotta do here in two weeks but it's more of a it's not that i'm not gonna try as hard as i can but it's nothing that i like peaked out for so um you know as i get older i find that i i can only peak so often now so whereas you know i'm known as the guy on this show that competes all the time well that's slowing down a lot (laughs) and uh because it has to it's like i i find my my peaks are limited now they're still as good but they have to be further spaced apart and so i get in these phases where for nine months even 12 months i'm just hanging on like i went in and i hit a 700 deadlift but it was much harder than my 700 for three was right before my last meet but it's like, hey, I know I'm still good. I'm 12 weeks out right. from peaking. Right. You know, so it doesn't worry me that much. It's like, man, if I can come in on a just an average gym day and still hit that, I'm still there. You know, I'm, I'm a I'm, huge uh, believer that experienced lifters, your peak, your spikes in performance are higher than when you're young, actually. Yeah. But you pay the so price. Too. You know, the, the risk is that your muscles, you're so strong that your muscles can write checks that your joints can't cash. Yeah, and you, you know? have to start being more choosy with your, with, with your, you know, the times you really strike it. You know, you've got to, yep. you've got to pick those out because you only have a few of them, but they can be, they can be huge. Yeah, like you're saying, I still firmly believe that I have my best lifts in me. I, I would um, agree. Yep. You know, so I have no doubt in my head. It's just now it's picking and choosing. So I'm not going to give a date yet. But I, I've got my next meet chosen out, and I've got, you know, months and months and months to get ready for it. And I'm not even to the point where I'm thinking about my peaking phase. But it's in the back of my head. 
you know, all I'm doing now is still getting ready for it. Okay, let's go through another prep phase. Let's get ourselves feeling good. Let's, you know, let's do some lunges and some sit-ups and some things we've been ignoring. And then I'll get in that. I think a lot of it's mental, too. Um, With life stresses of being an adult, you know, with life stresses of just spending thousands of dollars on a new building and this and that, it's (laughs) like I can only handle so much. (laughs) So I'm, I'm setting myself up to where even, you know, Four months from now, we'll be in that new building. I'll be in a more comfortable place. I won't have those stresses of setting it up. So I'd be stupid to start it now when we're coming on to the Christmas season and Thanksgiving season and, you know, getting a new building going. So let's wait till that's settled down. Okay, now I can put all my time and attention to this. And not only that, I, I warn my family and get them ready for it because they need to be my support group and know that, hey, I'm going to be giving a lot of attention to this. You know, you Phil, know, this back is, me up here. Exactly. That is where bodybuilding and powerlifting are so similar. You know, you like uh, especially being older, like you said, with the responsibilities of an adult, you, you've got to line things up. You know, there was a young guy in the gym last year. He goes, oh, are you going to compete anytime soon? And I'm thinking I actually told him, I said, a lot of things have to line up or I have to set them up for that to happen, you know, because you're right. You've got to purposely line everything up. And I'll tell you, I don't think most people think about this, and maybe some listeners disagree, but I find that being older, like when I'm in the off-season, I look more off-season than I used to. You know, I, <laughs> I, I probably carry more body fat, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the last time I competed just three years ago, uh, I was – I got – the leanest I ever had been, you know, yeah. and so, and I'd actually placed better than I ever had been. So, and that's sort of, and if, when you pull 804 off the ground, which I really think you will, mm-hmm. um, th- all these things, they're just real life proof of what we're saying, you know, yeah. that you do in fact peak higher, but you can't do it as often. Yeah. You know, cause when I, yeah, when I'm, when I'm there, I feel as when I'm at my peak, I feel stronger than I ever have. And I think I'm mentally stronger and everything else. But yeah, like you said, I mean, I got it's like telling my wife, "Hey, honey, five months from now, get ready," you know, right? Because I'm going into this phase, and she's got to back me up too. She's got to know that I'm going to come in trashed. I'm going to come in, and it's like, sorry, I can't stay up and watch TV tonight. I am dead tired. You know, I'm going to skip a little family time for a bit, and you know, things yeah. like that. But it's temporary, so it's acceptable. Well, know? yeah, and if your family's behind you, they know it. They know, hey, he's right. going for this. Let's support right. him. And when dad's yeah. done, what, you know, when dad p- does his heroic lift, he, yeah. he'll be back here, and then it'll be family time. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, and it's, yeah, it's getting all that stuff lined up and, you know, things like that. But that, that, that's a big one is there is a difference between the 20-something and the 40-something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you know what? Just so. before, before anybody says, oh, you guys are just back to your curmudgeon stuff. No, not at all. I mean, like yeah. I said, it's just it's fewer peaks, but they are higher. And you're yeah. you will find this in your career. Almost certainly. You yes. know, uh, I don't know many powerlifters or bodybuilders uh, who are making still making progress and compete and peak four times a year. Yes. You know that it just starts to become uh, like you said, maybe it's social. Maybe yeah. it's biological. Uh, whatever it is, uh, but yeah, it, when you look at the older guy, realize yeah, they're uh, they might just be able to kick your ass. It's just that they'll yeah. pay for it. They're going to pay yeah. for it. <laughs> exactly. And anybody that says that, I'm going to say that they're twenty something. And what I have to say to that is, just drop me a line. I'll give you my contact information. In twenty years, when you're forty something, give me a call and yeah. let me know how you feel. Yeah. You know, you won't feel like you do in your twenties, and it's right. not that you feel bad. You know, it's just nope. you're it's different, man. It's not the same. Yeah. It's and it's not that you now think life's not over. 
It's just that you, you're going to be more targeted and things are going to take a bit more work and a bit more planning and, yeah. and things like that. Because otherwise you so, get hurt. I mean, we've yeah. both had full ruptures. You know, it's not like we haven't tried to push the envelope in different ways. You with the weights and me with all kinds of yeah. bodybuilding stuff. The point being is, yeah, it's not like we're just being babies about this. You, if you push too far and if you try to do it too often, you'll either fail or you'll blow something. Yes. So just yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, that was a good show. Yeah. Uh, everybody, I just got a CD review from Fortress. I'll probably try to sneak it in um, soon. If not this time, then next time. Uh, and we've got some fun guests coming up, too. We've got um, Dr. Campbell is going to come on. Um, Bill Campbell is going to talk about sports supplements and some of his research. And we've got... Uh, Melissa Trainer coming on, and she's going to talk about maybe the excessive trend toward uh, too much intensity all the time. I think we'll call it macho muscle, that topic. So those are just some of the guests we got coming, and we'll see you soon. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.